Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello, podcast listeners. Hope you're enjoying your day as much as I am. I have to say, during the weekend, there tends to be a lot of noise within the market itself. And we don't get to be able to see it as much, at least in how it affects the markets, because, well, it's the weekend and Wall Street doesn't work on the weekend. But there are a lot of things that happened this weekend. First off, Thor Love and Thunder pulls in $143 million, $143 million in domestic opening. Pretty good numbers. We'll cover that today. Ford's Mustang Mach-E electric crossover is a hit with the industry insiders that could help it take on Tesla. Then we have how a new way iconic brands like Procter & Gamble and Nokia are cashing in on the R&D moonshots. That's going to be an interesting one to be able to talk about. And then we have some breaking news from Sri Lanka that had happened within the last few days. And I have to cover this because I'm curious to see how the market's going to react going forward with this. But with that being said, guys, I have to remind you all before I start each podcast that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing into companies and you need to be able to talk to your own professional advisor as they would understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. I cannot legally give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. Everything I express in this podcast is my opinion or it's based off news articles that I'm reading. This is also for entertainment purposes only. And if I should have any stocks that I'm going to talk about in this article, I will mention the positions that I have in it. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Thor Love and Thunder pulls in $143 million in domestic opening from CNBC. Okay, With Thor Love and Thunder zapping up the estimate $143 million during its domestic weekend, box off analysis say confidence that movie theaters are no longer on the road to recovery and have reached a pace of uh, normalcy seen in pre-pandemic times. Over the weekend, the newest entertainment in Disney's Marvel Cinematic Universe tallied $159 million internationally, bringing in a global haul of $302 million. Quote, Marvel fans turned out in force yet again this weekend as Thor, Love, and Thunder followed the success of Minions last week to combine the first pair of 100 million openers on consecutive weekends since 2018, said Sean Robbins, chief analysis at boxoffice.com. Thor, Love, and Thunder is estimated to have drawn in more than 10 million moviegoers this weekend. About 57% of all cinema patrons, according to data from Intelligence. With continued ticket sales for the movies like Paramount and Skydance, Top Gun Maverick, Universal, Minions, and The Rise of Gru, and Jurassic World Dominion, as well as Pixar's Lightyear and Warner Brothers, Elvis, this weekend's domestic box office will rack in over $200 million, if not closer to $250 million. $250 million. It's noteworthy that this weekend will reflect the level of normalcy at the box office that has been building since the beginning of the summer movie season, with a diverse selection of hits from the superheroes, actions, comedy, family, indie, and horror genres, and are now joined by Thor Love and Thunder, said Paul Der... I can't even say that last name. He's the senior analysis at Comscore. Okay. Paul noted that three years ago during the same weekend, Marvel's Spider-Man Far From Home topped the office along Disney's Toy Story 4 and Aladdin, Universal Yesterday, Warner Brothers, Annabella Com- Comes Home, and A24 uh, Midsummer. Those films generated $885 million during the weekend a sum that will easily be beaten by the weekend overall lineup of Thor, Love and Thunder, hammers out another solid Marvel debut, he said. See, here's the thing. 
we've mentioned this in the past, okay? One of the reasons why Disney's doing well, and little disclaimer, I have a very, very small position in Disney stock currently. One of the reasons why Thor Love and Thunder probably did well this weekend, obviously you have the fan base of those people who absolutely love everything that has to do with Marvel, but it probably also did well because it was a movie. And there's probably hardly any political stuff that was involved with the movie. Well, maybe there was a little bit. Who knows? I haven't seen the movie myself. But I honestly still believe that one of the biggest reasons why Disney's Lightyear flopped was because it was too political. Okay. People are now voting with their wallets. And these CEOs need to start realizing that in order to get people to buy tickets to watch these movies, you have to potentially stop being political. Okay. And that's, and that's one huge reason why Lightyear most likely failed. It also didn't help either that it was kicked out of a lot of countries. And ironically, they, uh, if you noticed when we were talking about Lightyear in this thing, it, it kind of pushed it down towards the bottom, okay? F- two weeks or three weeks ago, I think it was when we talked about Lightyear in a past podcast, it was, they, they said it was because, oh, people were scared of the pandemic. But then Minions came out and Minions blew box office records for the weekend, okay? In reality, I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. If you want a successful movie franchise to make you money in the movies, then you stop being political, okay? <clears throat> Disney will probably somewhat recover now, somewhat I say, because Thor Love and Thunder is probably going to do pretty well in the box office, it looks like. But it's hard to tell. It's going to be really hard to tell if the movie does become successful. So keep an eye on that for that, guys, because Disney's going to be able to have to make decisions going forward based off these results. And I really hope Disney is paying attention because it could determine their future. Going on to the auto industry, Ford's Mustang Mach-E electric crossover is a hit with industry insiders that could help take it on Tesla. Okay, Ford's first real attempt at an electric vehicle has been quite a hit with critics. The Mustang Mach-E replaced the Tesla Model 3 as a Consumer Reports top pick in February 2022. It was named the top car in the Automotive Association of American AAA Car Guide in May. Car and Driver Award is the magazine first EV of the Year Award in June of 2021. It's the name of the Utility of the Year at the 2021 North American Car and Truck of the Year Awards, one of the most prestigious awards in the automotive industry. All the praise is helping Ford take on Tesla, the biggest brand in EV in the U.S. in terms of sales. Ford's decision to call its first EV a Mustang drew some criticism from pursuits, with some arguing the vehicle isn't a real Mustang, but Ford wanted to position the first EV as a brash and fun car that draws in heritage. The highest end Mach-E is the GT that can travel from 0 to 60 miles per hour is as fast as 3.5 seconds. Tesla's Model Y performance, which costs about 7,000 more than the GT, claims at the same acceleration time and a longer range. But reviews have said that the Mach-E has some features in favor apart from its lower price, such as vehicle entertainment system that that's easier to use, superior driver system features, and a better reliability. Okay, It's interesting that this is happening for Ford at this time. Because we just reported that Ford just struggled in China, okay? Now, granted, that was probably Wall Street just overreacting at the time, being like, oh no, Ford's not doing well, so therefore the stock shouldn't be doing well either because they didn't do well in China. Well, if this EV car is as good as they are claiming, then the problems with China shouldn't be an issue. It really shouldn't, if they're able to compete with Tesla. A lot of car makers have been announcing recently that they are releasing more and more EV cars. And this could be the future for cars, but I still want to know for car enthusiasts out there, do you prefer the electric car? Do you prefer the actual motor of a vehicle as it's going down the road? I spoke to an engineer recently 
and I asked him, I said, hey, what's your opinion on electric cars? What's your opinion on an actual motor vehicle? And his response was, I prefer the motor vehicle more. And he also said too, that based off the EVs and how to make those cars, it's more quote unquote friendly for the environment. Now, granted, each engineer will have their own opinion, but it had struck me that this is the first time I've actually hear someone say that they prefer the actual, not the electric, but the actual motor car itself, okay? I'm curious to know going forward too, how much longer until, for those of you who watch NASCAR, and in all honestly, I'm curious on this mostly, I wonder how much longer until NASCAR has one car that is electric out there, in all honesty, because... It's going to make things more interesting in NASCAR because can a car like that just keep going? I mean, this is a Ford Mustang we're looking at now, okay? One of the quote-unquote sexier cars for Ford, and now it's electric. And obviously, it's pretty pricey up there. I mean, I think we read about, how much was it? 60000 I believe it was. It says here, hmm, it doesn't give a price, but it says it's about 7000 The The Tesla Model Y has is about $7,000 more than the GT. Question is, are people willing to pay for this much for a car? I hope so, because if they do, then uh, I guess you can say that times are changing. Hard to tell, though. So keep it out for the car industry, guys. There might be more news going forward about the EV cars that are being released. And I'm curious to know how Tesla's going to be able to start competing with these cars. Now an interesting article before we get into the more deeper stuff of what's happening in Sri Lanka. A new way iconic brands like Procter & Gamble and Nokia are cashing in on the RD moonshots, okay? For over a decade, the research arm of Nokia Bell Labs in Finland has been working on cooling and energy efficiency technology for data centers and mobile network equipment. In June, the, that R&D effort took a big step outside its corporate parent InVenture, which finances, operates, and manages companies spun from the multinational corporations formed Orlando-based Asilius to house the Nokia innovation as a standalone startup. This approach to giving corporate R&D a life of its own is becoming more common. Co-founder by former Walgreens CEO Greg Watson and his family office Watson Enterprise, InterVenture accesses the innovations inside corporate R&D labs with the goal of building business externally at less startup risk and then venture capital route and ultimately having that former parent company as a key customer. Since its formation in 2015, the industrial innovation investment firm has reviewed more than 100 technologies with multinational companies vetting disruptive technologies that could solve critical needs that have potential to create 1 billion or more new enterprises value within five years. Its finances and firms through its Interventus fund with additional strategic investment and debt. Okay. You know, it's interesting. There's, There's been a lot of news recently about these blank check companies and startups and how they're going public. And this looks like a new way that they're going to try to get people to invest in potentially these companies. Let's continue reading on with this article. Private equity and venture clienting. For at least a decade, many big companies have created their own corporate venture capital arms to invest in promising startups that may be disruptive threats to their business, as well as potential acquisition targets. The interventural model of innovation is another approach that is working far outside Silicon Valley. Venture circles with corporations leveraging their international R&D by bringing it together with external startups to be commercialized and then become a client of an innovative business from the collaborate effort. It's not multinationals alone that is pursuing this approach. 
We're starting to see more of these deals where a private equity firm comes in and helps a corporate carve up a startup. This could develop into a trend, said John Garvey, global head of financial services at PwC in New York. He added that so far, it's largely being done by smaller specialized private equity firms looking for quality assets in a formerly environment where there is immense competition for deals. Quote, if the firm is willing to put up the sweat equity to build the company, it's the way of working with the fixer upper and not the premium price, he said. Several large companies such as BMW, Simus, and Bosch have adopted other methods to make key startup connections known as a venture clienting. Quote, corporations have been a great resource for technology and throughout outside partnerships and startups can make it without owning a stake in it. And Gregory Gimme, founder and CEO of Munich-based consultancy 27 Pilots and developer of the BMW startup Garage, the venture client unit within the automaker. The beauty of this is that corporations make more money from using the technology than running their own majority stake in the startup and without the enormous cost associated with corporate venture capital investing. And then I, this is the most interesting one because I had looked into one of these companies and I didn't pull the trigger and I really wish I had invested back in the day. It says using the venture client model, BMW interrogating machines, learning camera technology into its vehicles early 2007 from Intel's Mobileye, which had been a standalone Israeli company before being acquired by the chip maker and is intended to become a standalone company again through an IPO plan for this year and started installing smart sensor software and detects road conditions from Halifax based tactical mobility beginning in 2021. There's multiple ways these startups are going public and becoming bigger, but it's also at the same time, it seems like these companies just don't want to do the research that they should be doing to make their brands more appealing. We could go more into this article about how these companies are doing this, but it's an extremely long article. But I mean, at the end of the day, it goes down to this. These big companies don't know where to go. And so they do the next best thing, which is potentially buying up startups to help them grow less capital risk on their end. Then they make them grow big enough and then they become a customer and the relationship is formed. When in reality, some of these companies should potentially take risks to figure out what they need to do to grow their company within. But you know what? Each company is going to do their own thing in order to survive at the end of the day. So it's an interesting read. I would advise reading more into it to see how these companies are doing it. But at the same time, it's not really also really worth going into it that much details for today's article. Okay. Now for the, what I really wanted to talk about Sri Lanka, there's been a lot of things happening in Sri Lanka recently. Okay. And we're going to cover it because like I said, I'm curious to know how the market's going to react to this. Sri Lanka's president has stepped down. Parliamentary speaker says amid storm of protests. Now this was reported on Friday and there's a second article I'll get into in a second. That's more important for today, but it's still important to cover this. Okay. Sri Lanka's president, uh, Go Tabea, plans to step down. The country's parliament speaker said on Saturday, bowing to intense pressure after a violent day of protest in which demonstrators stormed the president's official's residence and set fire to the prime minister's home in Colombo. The announcement following the dramatic escalation of months of largely peaceful anti-government protests over a dire economic crisis of the Indian Ocean island of 22 million people triggered an eruption of celebratory fireworks in the city. There was no immediate word from the president himself. Speaker Mahinda said in a video statement that Rajapaksa has informed him that he would step down from the post next Wednesday. Quote, the decision to step down on 13th of July was taken to ensure a peaceful handover of power. Therefore, I request the public to respect the law and maintain peace, he said. Prime Minister Ranil also said he's willing to resign to make a way for an all-party government. His office said in a statement on Saturday evening. 
It was not yet clear if, if this would quell popular anger. Details of how transition power would take place were not were also not yet known, although the speaker earlier outlined proposals for the for the meeting of political parties on Saturday. It would include parliamental picking on acting president within a week. Okay. Overall, residents overrun. Throughout the day, soldiers and police were unable to hold back a crowd of chanting protesters demanding uh, Rejepaski resignation and blaming him for the country's worst economic crisis in seven decades. Police fired shots in the air, but were unable to stop the crowd from surrendering the president's residence, a witness said. Okay. Inside the president's whitewashed culinary era residence, a Facebook live stream showed hundreds of protesters, some dramped in the national flag, packing into rooms and corridors. Video footage showed some of them splashing in the swimming pool while others sat in the four poster bed and sofas. Some could be seen emptying out chest drawers and images that were widely circled on social media. Okay. I had mentioned this a few weeks back. Okay. And, and, and this is where things become interesting too. It says the country is struggling under a, a severe foreign exchange shortage that has limited essential imports of fuels, food, and medicine, plunging into the worst economic crisis since independence in 1948. Soaring inflation has reached a record of 54.6% in June and is expected to hit 70% in the coming months, has heaped hardship on the population, okay? That alone should give you a little bit of terror. This is a small island, okay? And I have to say, it's not looking pretty because it even says here, political instability could undermine Sri Lanka's talks with International Monetary Fund as it seeks $3 billion bailout, the resurrecting of some foreign debt and fundraising from multi- multilateral and bilateral sources to ease the dollar drought. The economic crisis developed after COVID-19 pandemic hammered the tourist-related economy and slashed remnants from overseas workers. Okay. I mentioned this months ago, or not months ago, probably a few weeks back. Listen to past podcasts if you want to remember more about what happened with Sri Lanka. But we had mentioned that Sri Lanka was having issues. In fact, there were articles when I was looking into it a little bit more yesterday that was saying that the people in Sri Lanka were not worried about political issues anymore, I believe it was. They they weren't even thinking about food. They were just protesting at this point, okay? We also just mentioned the other day that Turkey had about a 79% inflation rate. What's going to happen soon in a lot of these countries if inflation's this high? I mean, Sri Lanka's only at 50 and expected to hit 70 and now Turkey's hitting 79, okay? And the United States is not that far off with inflation either, okay? There's potentially a domino effect in the making in the markets. Don't know when it's going to happen, but this inflation is just insane right now, okay? Last article that we'll cover today's podcast, it has to do with Sri Lanka again. Sri Lanka opposition hopes to install new government amid turmoil, okay? Sri Lanka's op- opposition political parties will meet Sunday, and hopefully we can talk a little bit more about this tomorrow, We'll meet Sunday to agree on a new government a day after the country's president and prime minister offer to resign in the country's most chaotic day in months of political turmoil. With protesters storming both officials' homes and setting fire to one of the buildings in a rage over the nation's economic crisis. Protesters who stormed the president's official residence, his office, and the prime minister's official residence on Saturday spent the night there saying that, that they will stay until the leader officially resigns. Opposition lawmaker M.A. said that the all opposition parties combined can easily muster the 113 members needed to show the majority in parliament, whereupon they'll request President Goteba to install the new government and then resign. He said the parties hope to reach consensus Sunday. Prime Minister Ranil uh, said he'll leave office once a new government is in place. And hours later, the Speaker of Parliament said he would step down Wednesday. Pressure on both men have grown as the economic meltdown 
set off an acute shortage of essential items, leaving the people struggling to obtain food, fuel, and other necessities. If both president and prime minister resign, Speaker Mahida will take over as temporary president according to the Constitution. Thousands of protesters in the capital, uh, Colombo, on Sunday and swarmed into Rajabaski's fortified residence. Okay, we don't need to go into the, the videos at this time, but things are happening, okay? It says here, the country is relying on the aid from India and other nations as leaders try to negotiate a bailout with the International Monetary Fund, okay? And it says here, from in Sri Lanka announced in April that it was suspending repaying of foreign loans due to foreign currency shortage. Its total foreign debt amounts to 51 billion, of which it must repay 28 billion by the end of 2027, okay? I want to know at the end of the day, okay, how the market's going to react to this, especially with the clothing industry in particular, okay? Sri Lanka deports a lot of clothing. And now I'm not sure if it has to affect Gap or if it affects Target or if it affects Walmart in any way, shape or form. And small disclosures, I have small positions in both Target and Walmart, very, very small positions. But I'm curious to know how the market's going to react to this on <clears throat> tomorrow, pretty much. How's the market going to react? This is a small island. It means absolutely nothing to the world at all. Okay. And they're having a slow economic collapse. And I also wondered too, how much longer until there's a, a like a raging somewhat, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but what happens if a civil war does happen within Sri Lanka? Because people are still not happy. This inflation rate, it's going to cause people to go insane. It really is. And I want, I'm curious to know where the next domino is going to fall. I also want to know how the market's going to react. Maybe the market's not going to care. They're going to wake up tomorrow and just be like, eh, that's Sri Lanka. Who cares? It's a small island. Got to remember, the, the countries that are going to probably come out of this when it's all said and done are probably going to be the new leaders in the market. I personally believe it's going to be China and India because by the fact that they're able to buy oil right now, $30 a barrel right now from Russia and the world's like sanctioning Russia to high heavens. I mean, what Russia's doing to Ukraine is a terrible, terrible thing at the end of the day. But it seems like India and China are going to be potentially the new economic powers in the world. And I wonder how the market's going to react to it when the time comes. Because right now, it's, it's just Sri Lanka. Who knows what other things are happening in countries with inflation? We know, and, and then and this is the last thing we'll talk about, okay? We've mentioned earlier that Turkey is having at least a 70 plus percent inflation rate right now. We also know that there's going to be a food crisis in parts of Africa and Europe due to the fact that there's hardly any food coming from the Ukraine. There's already an energy crisis potentially in Europe right now too because there's not as much oil and gas coming in because they're having to shut down Nord Stream pipelines from Russia. And so they're having to rely a little bit more on coal. Joe Biden's been sending our strategic oil overseas to countries that have been buying oil cheaply from Russia. It's it's I don't know where the next domino is going to fall. I expect more countries end up like Sri Lanka though soon. Inflation's too much. It's too high around the world and it's potentially going to get worse if countries don't do anything. What was the other country we were talking about? Maybe it was just Turkey too because Turkey said they didn't want to raise the monetary funds, I think it was, or the interest rates, was it? It's hard to remember, but we got to keep an eye out for all these countries because I don't think Sri Lanka is going to be alone in this regard. I think there's going to be a potential new governments around the world, potentially, potentially. And I'm curious to know how the market's going to react to it, as you all should be as well. Keep an eye on that for guys, because the market could get a little bit more crazy if there's new governments being formed and some instability in the world with high inflation. So 
With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you have, I ask that you please like and subscribe to this podcast so we can be able to keep growing this podcast and be able to talk about what's happening in the market potentially and how it could affect the stock market going forward. I also ask that you, if you have enjoyed it, that you please also share with friends or family as they might be able to enjoy it as well because the more we're able to grow this podcast, the more we be able to keep talking about these events. And I mean, I enjoy recording these as well. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.